exhaust him. He exhausted. I'm exhausted, and uh, hence trying to find my strength again. 36. And I'm busted. So what we're going to do today is we're uh, launching into a brand new series. It's a four-part message called Small Things, Big Difference, actually inspired by your local coach here uh, called Alan Cummings. And he never shuts up about small things, small changes. Does, if you go to him at all, if you, if you use his name and feign under your breath and swear about him during the week, you'll know that he's constantly talking about small changes make big differences in your life. And so I want to, I don't know about you, but there's something about this time of year, January, where it does, it does spark a little optimism, even in those of us who are just wanting to turn the page on a year. There's a little bit more hope, isn't there? There's a little bit more signing up for the gym and doing the diet and doing the detox and the shakes and all that sort of thing. The only shake I do is when the Holy Spirit comes and it's usually my right hand or left hand, never the two at the same time, for why I don't know. Um, and I haven't got a theological point in that, but anyway, I'm just sharing it with you. Um, so, yeah, we, we're, there's a little bit of optimism, and uh, we think that maybe this year I could get in better shape in January. I, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's a psychological thing, because here's the deal. You can change any time of the year. We can make change any time of the year. You don't have to wait to January, but this is where we're starting this time, in January, because I can and I've got a mic. We're starting in January to make small changes and see big differences in our lives. But you could really do it any time. I don't know about, I don't know, I've never had a conversation with anybody the week before Christmas saying, I'm going to go on a diet. But yet you could. You know what, I'm going to sign up for the gym the f- this week, and I'm just going to get in shape for the new year. This will get me kickstart. Anybody do that? What do you say? Somebody's going to put their hand up. Yeah, there's always some... Strange people out there that do some normal things. And so you can do it, but it just doesn't seem to go that way. So when we look at the lives of those who've got it together, or even more of their life together, they don't necessarily have all their life together, I wouldn't say that. Sometimes it's kinda, it kind of intimidates me. Do you ever see people that are just like, they've got one area of their life sussed, and it's kind of intimidating? Like, I have a friend in uh, India called Mohan, and he, he's, every time I meet him, he says, oh, Pastor Jason. Let's not do the accent, sorry. He says, Pastor Jason, and I like that. It's a good place to start this new year if you're making resolutions. He says, I've been up at 4 o'clock praying for you and your church. And I'm like, geez, some four, sometimes 4 o'clock in the afternoon, if I remember... I pray for India. And there's some people just, I think that's intimidating for me. Four o'clock in the morning, and he's praying for us in Dungannon, you know, where we have electricity. And I was in a pharmacy the other day. Sorry, Claire, you just brought this to my attention. And I was thinking about the third world in India. And then I looked at all the medicines. Before the, all the medicines, there's a whole row of sweets. And there's this woman having a conversation with her daughter about the squishy throat lozenges. I take it they're soft ones, right? And there's hard ones. I'm getting really off track this morning, but just let me get this out of my head, and then we can proceed further into the conversation. And so we live in this world where there's so much stuff. We don't even have need penicillin. We've got squishy sweets, the front row, and lollipops, and everything else. Never mind all the medicine, and the beard balm, and the beard shampoo, and the beard oil, all in the one place. And I'm never thinking, stop and pray for India at 4 o'clock in the morning. It's intimidating. It's intimidating. There's so much better. People are so much better in different areas than I am. DIY. <laughs> I wish I don't have that gift. In. 
But you look at the big things and you wonder how they get the results. How do they get the results? And I used to, you know, I did some crazy things growing up. You know, I read a book one time and I got up at four o'clock in the morning and I stood at the edge of the bath. And I told you this story before. And the reason I stood at the edge of the bath because I fell off. I would hit my head against the tiles. And so therefore, it would keep me awake to pray. <laughs> it happened twice. I didn't fall twice. I did it twice. Got up twice. Then I thought. This ain't working for me, God, and I'm sure the conversation's not good for you too. So we called it a day. We agreed to meet at another time that was more convenient to me during that day. And he still loves me. He still absolutely loves me. But here's what I've discovered. I've watched people make changes in their lives. And through the, the wisdom of Alan Cummins and different people that I've looked at and talked with this last year or two, this is what I believe. It's not often the big changes that we need to make. But if you're taking notes, here's our key thought for this series it's, it's often the small things that no one sees that makes a big difference that everybody wants. It's not often the big things. It's often the small things that no one sees that results in the big things that everyone wants. We all want the big results, right? We all want the big guns, don't we? Like me. You all want to look like me. But it's the small steps. It's the small things that result in the big things that everybody and everyone wants. I... Uh, one of the things that changed my life, it's a small thing actually, and I, this is my, I know I keep talking about this because I'm passionate about it. You ever, think that things that, you ever find that things that change your life, you do want to talk about them? Like Jesus and Liverpool and so us, Michelle, <laughs> kids, <laughs> Van Morrison and, and Freire Roche, in no particular order. But what was I saying? <laughs> Nobody knows. Huh? We were finishing off? Should we bring them? <laughs> small changes. That was the small changes. One of the small changes that I made. I discovered that I wasn't really enjoying life one time. I mean, I didn't really, really like life. I didn't like, I just moved here. I didn't like living here. I didn't know anybody. I walked around the streets. I couldn't see anybody, any familiar faces. Um, there wasn't even a footpath outside our house where we could walk. It was like persecution <laughs> of a first world pastor. And then I discovered one thing that made a change in my life, and it was called Sabbath, Shabbat, rest. A small change that transformed my life. So what did I do? Every week, I took 24 hours out, had a beer. Sorry if that offends you. Went to the football, connect with some people, Sometimes get a little agitated with the referee and the linesman, but that's okay. It's all part of it. I open the scriptures when I go home at night. I eat my favorite food. I lie on a little longer in the morning. Do you know what? It transformed my life in a spiritual way. Connection with family and people in town from that moment changed. And all of a sudden, Dungana became home. Isn't that strange? Taking one small thing, bringing it into your life, and seeing a big difference. And I've watched people do this time and time again. So our our scripture this morning, our base, our foundation, where we're hanging it all on is in Zechariah chapter 4. Can I encourage you this year, like never before, would you get in love with the scriptures? Would you try and open them up on a regular daily basis? I want to give you a top tip. Does anybody have a smartphone, a phone that has apps on it? Would you raise your hand? Has anybody got an iPhone 7? Uh -huh, you do, but you just don't want to put your hand because you know I'm looking one, don't you? So 
If you've got an iPad, if it doesn't have to be I, Apple. I'm not Apple fanatic. I don't worship at the Church of Apple, but there's other phones out there. I do think there are other I don't own one, but I think there's other phones out there. Uh, you, there's an app called YouVersion. It's absolutely brilliant. You can, you can have the scriptures read to you. You can hit play and, and, and it talk to you. It's phenomenal. And, and, and big words like Zechariah, where you don't know how to find them. You just go to the book. You go to that app. You hit the Read Bible, and you come down, and you see the word Zechariah. And then you hit on that, and then it says chapter. You hit the word chapter. And then if you even want to go to the word verse, to the number verse, you can go to the, the verse. And there you have it. And you look brilliant. And the person beside you, they're trying to find Zechariah, and you're like, here. I've got it. So I encourage you, try something like you version. There's no... Um, commission on it, but it's just a really helpful tool in today's society. It's there, it's easy to use, and it's absolutely free. So the context for Zechariah chapter 4 is where we're, we're at. It's, um, let me give you a bit of background to it. Um, it's depressing. Temple's destroyed. People are shifted. They're in a place where they shouldn't be, so they've no temple in a place where they don't want to be in a place where they shouldn't be. And they're happy. They're not happy at all. In fact, they're very depressed. And in the year about 537 BC, Zerubbabel, don't you love that name, Zerubbabel? Anybody would, if you have a boy this year, Ashley, call him Zerubbabel Hassan. What a name, a man. He'll be a strong man at school. Is anybody sitting beside Zerubbabel? I'm sitting beside Zerubbabel. Do you know Zerubbabel is starting with the Swifts? I can't believe Zerubbabel is starting with the Swifts. It's just a fantastic, strong name, isn't it? It's like Chris Zerubbabel. All right, Zerubbabel. And he leads a remnant of people back, people that are left over, and they head back to the, to the nation, back to their hometown, back, and there's some hope is being restored to their lives. And then 18 years later, God speaks to King Zerubbabel, and he says, I'm going to give you the power to build the temple. So let's start with, with verse 6 of chapter 4. It should be behind me on the wall. And then we'll read it, and then we'll allow it to speak to us. You up for that? This is what the Lord said to Zerubbabel. It's not by force, nor by strength. In other words, the temple is not going to be built in a way where you get the credit for it, but it's going to be built my way. That's smart. So let's say this aloud. Are you up for that? Should we do something very traditional? Do you know what they used to do in the ancient times when people read the scriptures? They used to stand. Shall we do it? And can we read this aloud? We're going to take it up from It's Not By Force. Are you ready? Let's go. It's not by force, not by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Just one more time, because we're familiar with it now. It's not by force, not by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. You may be sitting. Here's the thing. You can try and change. You can try and your own power. And you can make some incremental differences in your life. I'm not going to argue that. You can make changes in your life. You can make changes in your life. Uh, you can make incremental changes in your life on your own steam. But if you'll tap into the power greater than that which you, that your own self, actually a power that you possess if you know Jesus Christ, if you tap into that power, the power of the Holy Spirit, that same spirit that becomes strong in your weakness, the spirit's made strong in your weakness, that spirit, when you tap into that, it can actually transform your life. 
a man with an experience is never at the mercy of anybody with an argument. I'm a man with an experience, and therefore I'm never at the mercy with anyone with an argument. My life is being transformed. My life is not transformed by my good ideas, my good thoughts, or, or um, things that I'm implementing. Most of the transformation that's happened in my life today is through the power and presence of the wonderful Holy Spirit. That's how it's happened in my life. I don't know about your story, but that's how it seems to happen in my life. It's like when I was, um, you see that sound desk there? See the table? That's a pretty cool table. I built that table. <laughs> uh, I had a meeting over here. Well, it's half true, isn't it? It's, uh, I was here one day and uh, I had a couple of meetings with uh, a Pace guys and had a bit of time to kill because I was meeting um, Nigel. And we were going to, me and him were going to build this stage <laughs> together. Am I out of juice? Just dropped. Still the same? I've disappeared. Lights on, but there's nobody home. I don't lie. Boom, 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 boom. Still red. Strange. Okay, the switch. Hello. She says, keep going. And uh, so anyway, I was in here, and I thought, at two minutes, I'll knock this table up. So I got to find some screwdrivers down the back, and an hour and a half later, sweat lashing off me. Um, <laughs> The A-team come through the door, a.k.a. Nigel Graham. And so he walks through the door, and he has a, in his back pocket, I think he had it. I don't know where he brought I don't believe he left the room, but he just sat down beside me. And all of a sudden, the table was built. And I thought, wow, you just need a bit of power in your life. And sometimes you can uh, sweat it out, and you can uh, exhaust yourself, and you can try all sorts of things. Or you can tap into a power that actually gets things done much easier. Much easier easier and way more effective. And therefore, you know that that sound system is not going to let us down today. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding, Paul. Just kidding. So he's saying what the Father is saying, what God is saying. He says, I'm going to give you my power to build the temple. Verse 7 says, nothing, not even mighty mountains will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. In other words, when God calls someone to do something, there's no force that can stand against it. When God initiates, then nothing can prevail against it. The power of God through that person makes the thing happen. And then when Zerubbabel, it goes on to say, when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it. I think that's hilarious. And here's why, here's where my mind goes. Nothing's happened. Not a stone is, is laid. Nobody's shifted anything. And this is just God speaking, and he's saying, here's the whole picture. He's even saying, when the thing's done, this is what's going to happen. The people are going to shout out. The people are going to shout out this message. Isn't that fantastic? God already sees the end before you even attempt to do what God puts in your heart. God knows the result. So what? I want to give you some smart advice this January. Surrender to the Spirit. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. We're a Holy Spirit movement. The Finyard Church was born and birthed out of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. We are passionate about the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we give ourselves 20 minutes, 25 minutes, whatever we do, passionately pursuing Jesus and saying, God, we're creating a space for your presence to come. Because in his presence, anything can happen. And it, all good things happen in his presence, right? All good things happen in his presence. Firstly, it says this. Then another message came to me from the Lord, Zerubbabel, is the one who laid the foundation of the temple, and he will complete it. You just pause there for a moment. Um, 
the background of the story is that this didn't go swimmingly well by any accounts. We sometimes read scripture like we're reading a novel. You know, you read one book, and if it takes you 10 minutes to read it uh, in the Bible, you think it takes 10 minutes for that to happen in history. It's not the case at all. In fact, if you look through the book of, of Ezra, you'll see that um, people came to visit the construction periodically. And, and there's a, the text says does say that people came weeping. And some people say that they came weeping because they'd found a home again and that they'd come home. But others, many, many, many more people argue that they came and they wept because they thought it was pitiful. It was so small, and it didn't look like much. And so they wept in nearly disgust and, and disheartenment and not seeing what they thought it would be. And do you ever feel like that when you try something? And you think, I'm not making any gains at all. You know, I tried this walking with Jesus. I tried this intimacy part. I've tried stopping this habit that's just screwing my life up. I've tried to, to lose the weight. I've tried to keep the habit. It's, it's more annoying to me than it is to, to anybody else. And you find that you take these small steps, and all of a sudden you think, oh, man, was it really worth it? And you just feel like crying. It's just unimpressive. It's so small, so pathetic. And then you look at somebody else, and it seems like they've got their act together, but you just didn't realize that they've done all the hidden secret stuff time and time again. They've just went left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, and all you can see is them doing whatever they do. You're thinking, man, what's the point? What's the point? And that's often the way we feel. There's no way I'm going to get anywhere. Man, I've tried to make these changes before. You know, I'm three days into it and falling flat on my face. We get embarrassed so often by the small beginnings. Sometimes we get embarrassed by the small beginnings. Do you know in, in uh, February this year, we're 13 years of age? Teenagers. <laughs> we could be a little bit more rebellious this year, couldn't we? <laughs> Is that nervous? Laughter. So, and I can remember the first time, you know, uh, 13 years ago, booking a, not even booking, getting somebody else to book a swimming pool and a room in a pool. You were there, Ashley Blair. And, and, uh, and, and, and people showed up. And then, you know, it wasn't so long after that, maybe weeks after that, and I thought, this is pathetic. This ain't ever going to work. This is small. God, you said we were going to change the town, and we'd even this thing would go go to nations, and then I started resenting. Why do people talk about nations all the time? I don't like that talk nations. I can't take myself for Jesus, never mind a nation. And so you could easily give up. But 13 years later, I never, ever would imagine standing here in front of you and seeing the life change that we're bringing to our community, seeing the poor hear the good news, and seeing people set free in their minds, in their hearts, in their marriages, in their bodies. And God has done an incredible thing with a bunch of ragtag bunch of people who are just pushing hope on a regular basis. And all of a sudden, God steps in. He has his ways. He says, left foot, right foot, left foot, right right foot, get up in the morning, go again, Jason, another Sunday, another midweek, tithe again, give again, give it away again, give it away again, give it away again, give it away again. Sounds like a rap, doesn't it? But anyway, we, we got there, and 13 years later, I could not imagine what the Lord has done through us. And so we're going to take time out on the first Sunday of February to celebrate, celebrate, and we're going to celebrate royally. Are you up for that? And it will be on a Sunday morning, so relax. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we'll talk about some of the things that we've done and some of the things that God has done through us. You see, I hope that this will encourage you. Verse 10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see a work begin. You've got to put one stone before you put on a second stone. You've got to start somewhere. And God rejoices to see faithful things start. Faithfulness is the starting. 
Faithfulness is not always about the end product. Faithfulness is about saying yes in the beginning and putting the first foot forward, putting the first stone down, whatever it is. Faithfulness is not always the long term. Faithfulness in God always begins with the surrender heart, yes. And you know how we measure discipleship here in the Vineyard Church in Ghana? We don't measure discipleship by how much you know the Scriptures, though we think it's a good thing that you know the Scriptures. We don't count how long you pray or how often you've been to life group. Well, actually, we do. We track you. We find out how long you and often you're at uh, life group. So I've just laid there. But uh, those are not measurements of discipleship. Those are measurements that you're connecting and showing up. How we measure discipleship here in the Vineyard is the length of time it takes you to say yes to Jesus when he speaks to you. So the shorter that time, the more mature you get. Narrow that gap, the more mature you come. When Jesus speaks, how long does it take you to say yes? That's faithfulness. Faithfulness begins in the beginning with the small things. And see, one of the challenges is so often we look at people who, uh, and we see their their highlights. You know, we see the credits. We see the the final production of where they've been, and we never actually see the behind the scenes. And we get so intimidated that we never start. We're not faithful. We say yes, but then we say no. I'll try again. You look at people in the Bible, and you look at people like David, and you say, oh, he was a, a heart after God, and he was just a radical guy that takes down a giant. I would love to be able to take down a giant. I couldn't even take a giant down. I couldn't do anything. But then we forget the behind the scenes that David spent years and years and years in fields and running about after sheep and killing wild animals and chasing them away and protecting sheep. And all of a sudden, we forget about the behind the scenes, don't we? And then there's that romantic thing, and somebody should make a film of it, Ruth and Boaz, right? It's like something out of Frozen, is it? I don't know. Well, I mean, it's not something that's frozen. But sometimes we think, oh, I would love a guy like... Let's not go there, Jason. <laughs> Kiss the Some girls say, I would love a guy like Boas. You know, it's so romantic. The story is so romantic. Here's this poor girl, and she meets this uh, fine uh, man, and he uh, marries her, and they live life happily ever after. But no one ever sees the behind the scenes where she loses her family, where Ruth loses her family, where she stays with her mother when she, her mother now, and she doesn't even need to stay there. And there's faithfulness sown, and then there's faithfulness sown, and, and she goes out to fields in the cold and at night, and she stays there time and time again, and she gets up in the morning, she goes left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. And then, yeah, finally, she does get the, the credits rolled up, and she's married to a guy called Boas, and it's happily ever after. It's a pretty cool story, but we forget about the behind the scenes, don't we? And then there's this guy called Paul, and uh, he's a pretty amazing guy. And uh, we see Paul, and we think he's fantastic, but then we read the behind the scenes, and I don't know if I want his life at all. He gets bitten by snakes. He gets beat up on a regular basis. He's imprisoned, and we forget about all that left foot, right stuff, all that behind the, the kind of... Seeing stuff, I know this is kind of encouraging, isn't it, all these stories, but anyway, there. And, and, and then Daniel, Daniel, you know, lion's den, have, have you ever dreamt about it? You know, people say, I'd love to be in a lion's den. No chance. I wouldn't even like to be in a pen with hungry dogs, never mind a lion's den. And then we see this guy, we thought, oh, I would just love the faith of Daniel. How do you get the faith of Daniel? Well, we forget that three times a day he got up and he knelt down and he prayed consistently three times a day. And I would say, and I'm a, I'm a, I think I am getting smarter. I'm a smart guy. I would say I, I know I'm a smart guy. Uh, I learn fast. And I would say that your faith would increase if you spent time in intimacy with God three times a day, every day of the week. If you started to get on your knees and seek God, no matter what you were doing, if you stopped that, paused that, God got on your knees, got down the mat, whatever you do, in your car, wherever that is, if you got on your knees three times a day, spent time with the Holy Spirit, spent time with Jesus, your faith just might increase. Your heart cried. So, so here's what we're going to do today. Next week, 
We're going to put this together piece by piece. We're going to look at how we can change, small ways we can change. We're going to look at our words. Because our words have life and death. The power of tongue is life and death. We're going to look at our thoughts. Because our thoughts motiv- motivate us and they, they uh, can uh, propel us forward or they can actually paralyze us. Our thoughts can do that. So we're going to look at that. And we're going to look at habits too on the fourth week. Is that okay? So that's how it's going. But here's what I want to do today. And this is the sort of ministry time. So we're started now, believe it or not. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I did a talk. I thought it was amazing. <laughs> few years back called one thing and this one thing one thing talk has actually changed my life you see i don't actually uh preach to you i'm actually preaching out to myself so therefore i never run out of material i mean i am a pretty screwed up person there's enough material for me to last me a lifetime and your lifetime is that okay are you happy enough with that if i just keep giving you the stuff every week what's going on is it working for you it ain't changing it anyway and uh so anyway I discovered that one thing one thing and then i discovered that there's a lot of one things in the bible you know that guy we talked about david he, he said this phrase, one thing I ask, just ask him for one thing, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That's the one thing. I think that transformed his life. Small, big, small things, big difference. I'm asking for one thing. One thing I'm asking is that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And what? He gets God's present. And then guess what? He gets described as a man after God's heart. You want to be a man or woman described as somebody after the heart of God? Go for that one thing. You stay in his presence. Power and the focus. And we talked about Paul. We talked about how he was bitten by snakes and persecuted and left for dead and shipwrecked and beaten and all that there. And, and he says this one time, he says, rather than, man, it's been a tough life. It's been a hellish journey. He says this, this one thing I do. There's one thing I do. I forget what's behind me. And I press on towards a prize. My life is not defined by my past, but by my future. If you're stuck in the past and you're, you're, you're treading water here and you just feel like you're stuck, that your life is stuck and you're getting the same patterns and you're getting the same things day in, day out, here's what I would say to you is try that. Forget about the one thing that you could do this year is just forget about the past. If you can, it's hard, I know. But press into your future. Press into your future. And then there's this, can I finish with another one? Luke chapter 10, Mary and Martha. And uh, it always reminds me of my mother. Yeah, if anybody comes to our house, my mom goes mad cleaning and doing dishes and hoovering the living room backwards just before they come. I mean, her, her living room's unbelievable. I mean, I, I love bringing my friends into my mother's living room, unlike my house. And I watch their faces, right, Richard? They come into the house and they go, and I know what they're thinking. There's two mats and the carpet's cream. And they're thinking, how do I get to the seat when the two mats are here? And you don't walk on the carpet because the carpet looks and says to you, do not walk on me. <laughs> do not walk on me. So Jesus visits the home of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. And Mary's enjoying the presence. And Martha's like my ma. She's just washing the dishes, cleaning, dusting, hoovering. I don't think they did Hoover in those days, but if they had it, they got to America a lot quicker on the too old the Hoover vouchers. You missed all that, didn't you? It was great. We went to America six times. Martha, you're upset about so many things, but only one thing is needed. 
Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, just one thing's needed. What's your one thing that you need for your life this year? You lack one thing, just one thing. What is it? Let me finish with one more example because there's a negative side to you. There's this, this, there's this guy so impressed by Jesus. He's a rich young ruler. That's all. We don't know his name. And he's, he thinks Jesus is incredible. As most people do think Jesus is incredible. Even people having to give their yes to Jesus, they actually do think Jesus is incredible. I mean, if you read the stuff in the Bible, you couldn't argue that Jesus is, is a good guy. I mean, he's likable. He is likable. He's lovable. And he's, yeah, well, you know that. And so this guy says, I want, to, I want to be in your gang. I want to be with your disciples. I like what you're saying. I like what you're doing. I love the message. How do you get in? Jesus says to him, he looks at him and sees, it's not the, money with it. it's not the issue with the money. It's an issue with the heart. And Jesus says, hey, sell everything. Give it to the poor. This one thing. Jesus says one thing. Because he knows all the rules and the regulations. He's brought up a smart boy. Went to church every week. Knows the law. He says, what do you need me to do? You know, what, do you want me to recite something for you in the Torah? Do you want me to go through the book of Deuteronomy for you? Do you want to know how many sacrifices I've done? Do you want to know that I know all the, all the commandments? Big top ten. You know those high bars? Don't kill, don't destroy, or don't murder. You know the high bar that Jesus sets for people? And he says, uh, what, what, what do you want me to do? I'll do anything. And Jesus says, one thing. And it's the only time in Scripture when somebody comes into connection with Jesus and they walk away disappointed, depressed. And it's all to do with stuff and money. <laughs> Who'd have thought? So here's what we're going to do today. I don't want, I want to hear your New Year's resolutions. Um, don't even give me one New Year's resolution this morning, but what, what I want to do now is just, I want to ask you to seek God for one specific word to define and direct your year to come. Is that okay? Does that make sense? Let me say it again. Just one specific word to direct and define your year to come. Just one word. You can do that. And then you can add a text onto that, scripture. You can even Google it. And uh, this changes a lot of things. You remember last year, um, we met with our staff and our leaders, and then we met with different people, and we set up these little forum groups and stuff, and then we spent time before the Lord, and and the Lord just kept saying this one word to us, community, community, community. Yeah, we, we spent a bit of time, we listened to people, we listened to the voice of the Father, we listened to the Holy Spirit, we, 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 and then we, uh, we took this ridiculous, and I thought it was a very defeatist uh, situation, to be honest with you, but it was the wisdom of my wife. Uh, she says, let's come back to the storehouse, and I said, no, that's not, it's going to look bad, I'm going to look bad. So we were in a school, it looked much bigger and much prettier, we had all the rooms for kids and everything was running pretty well, but we just had lost community. And, um, and the Father spoke. So we worked hard. I think we worked hard, but probably could have worked harder. And by, by all means, we're not knocking it out of the park when it comes to community, but I think we're a pretty good church. If I dare say so myself, because I ain't it. You are. It's us. And so we worked on community, and we came here. And, and, and it's just even this last week, uh, this is how spiritual it gets. I enjoy uh, I en- well, sometimes I enjoy Facebook. I don't go on a Sunday afternoon because you see people sitting in their pajamas and saying they're just having a pajama day and they don't go to church and then all sorts of things start to rise in my heart. <laughs> Suffering sacrifice and all that sort of words come out. But I, I, I saw this week that some boys were in the moy having a good time at some worldly music. And they were in a house of drink. In the moy. 
And I looked at it, and I thought, something's happening. It's not a church event, but people are connecting. They're building friendships. Hope that explains it. I'm sure there was better, better examples. I'm sure there was a lot more better examples. We could have talked about the coffee and the Danish pastries. But I just thought I would use that one because that's the reality, that we want to create community. And that was our word, and that's the thing that we, we built on. And then we had, do you remember, we had the ridiculous cowboy. Like, I mean, I hate country music. I think country music should be barred from radio stations. If anybody listens to country music, I think that it's the devil's music. It should be taken out and burnt. And, uh, you know, people talk about rock and roll music, but if you play country western music backwards, I'm telling you, you will be shocked. Do you know what happens when you play? No, 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 listen. Do you know what happens when you play country western music backwards? The house does not burn down. The dog comes back and the wife never leaves him. So we wanted to build community, and we said, let's do a country and western party at the top of the hill. We spent thousands in that. Hundreds of thousands. <laughs> Trustees, you're looking this way. We just wanted to build community. We thought we'd do it in the most cheesy way possible, because sometimes community just needs a little cheese. That'll tweet. So what's your one word for this year? Personally, my word, I want to be vulnerable with you just for a second. This is ministry time. I'm just hoping that now that you're listening to the Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm done with the talk part, honestly. I am, although I am talking, but I'm done with the talking and the notes part. But I still continue to talk. Stay with me. Personal word for me this year is passion. It's what the Lord's speaking over me. I, I, I'm not trying to trigger words for you that will not work. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? For me, it's passion. I discovered hanging about with friends and people speaking to my life, I'm a li I got a little burnt out. I had a little trouble, a little loss, a little grief. We had some family illness. And I got around people and they started to notice that I wasn't the same passionate guy. And, and then this is my text, don't burn out. Jason, keep yourself fueled in a flame. Be alert, servant of the master, cheerfully expectant. That's my text for the year. That's my word, and that's my text. It's Romans 12. Don't quit hard times. Pray all the hardy, harder. Help needy Christians. Thought that was kind of strange. I thought, like a man about helping the lost, but the father said, Help needy Christians. There's some Christians out there just so needy. Be attentive in hospitality. Hope this is a place that you can call home this year. Where you find Jesus and friends and community. So I'm going to ask you again would you stand with me? What's your one word?